You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. It's time for the Buff Show. One hundred year. Look, here's the lives. It's just. It's. A, I mean, you think about it. And no idea what you said, Joe, but we understand the Buff Show. Deeply held by uh, by a president. Stop moving that that that, that, that uh, you know. Call. That's a teleprompter, Joe. We'll take it from here. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. And here's your host, Matt Buff. Welcome to the Matt Buff Show. Great to have you with us in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Matt Buff, your host here on the Patriot Podcast Network on Roku TV. Also, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Rolling along on Rumble as well and all your favorite podcasting sites, including Pandora and Spotify. Big, big show for you tonight. Corey Mills, what's up? Candidate for District 7. How you doing? I'm doing well. What's going on, brother? Oh, just following all the These liberal sheep are crazy, man. Masks on toddlers and masks in cars and Ukrainian flags waving everywhere because they had to take down their uh, COVID stay at home and stay safe thing. Just uninformed people everywhere, man. And so we can't do anything but laugh about it. 100%. I mean, it's funny that you have all of these politicians who are talking about how, or Democrats, I should say, that are so concerned about what's happening in Ukraine. You've got millions and millions of dollars that people are donating in cash and resources and food and aid to help the Ukrainian people. And meanwhile, imagine if they would have actually have applied that same level of concern to our homeless veterans. Imagine if instead of securing borders 9,000 miles away, we were secured you know, our border 900 miles away. It's just such an irony that they're so willing to help every other nation but their own citizens. We sent a message to the world to come on in, and in May, we're going to see the biggest invasion this country's ever seen when it comes to illegal immigration. Absolutely, and especially as he continues to try and see. I'm one of those that I believe that Title 42 and the ability to expel immediately anyone who's illegally entering our country and violating our laws should become permanent policy. This shouldn't be something that's just done for COVID or things like uh, an emergency situation. This should be a full-time permanent piece of legislation that says that if you cross our country, you will be immediately expelled back to Mexico or back to your home you know, country of origin. That's why we need good people like you in Congress to help out. What's your website? Give your information before it's, you uh, really Mills get down to Florida.com, or you can follow me at Twitter, at Corey Mills FL. I think I interrupted you, but it's MillsForFlorida.com. That's right. Yes, absolutely. District 7. That's where I'm at, District 7 here in Central Florida. So you guys pay attention. Joe Biden, you wrote this awesome piece in uh, Newsmax. We're going to post the links on thebuffshow.com to this, but I want to definitely talk about this because it's an absolute disgrace when Joe Biden goes overseas Ukraine and says there will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain powerful. After that statement, it was clean up on aisle 46, and uh, the, the pundits and the propaganda ministers for uh, the Biden regime are out in full force saying, no, we're not for re regime change. And then yesterday, Biden says he needs to be brought up on war crime uh, charges. So he's back to it again. 
Well, here's the reality. He continues to try and spit out these political narratives. And what do you expect from a guy who's been in politics for five decades? But he sit here and talk about how he's going to be tough on Russia and how Vladimir Putin's such a terrible guy. But in the same breath, he has his secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, who was the original brainchild of the failed Iranian nuclear deal, JCPOA or Resolution 2231, who is trying to work with the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Lavrov, in Russia to be the intermediary negotiator for entering back into the U.S.-Iran nuclear agreement. But yet he's going to do something the American people doesn't know. He's going to sign a secondary guarantee that says that when the U.S. signs a sanction on Russian energy, that it will not impede in the domestic or international production and transfer of oil to Iran, Venezuela and other nations. And then what the Biden administration is going to do is they're going to say, that's right. We are tough on Russia. We have sanctioned their energy. We will not use their energy more. And then he'll circumvent those sanctions by buying oil and gas from Iran or from Venezuela, which is de facto Russian oil and gas. Think about what he's doing simultaneously. He is trying to lift, lift the actual sanctions on the IRGC and delist them from being a terrorist organization. Now, I don't know about you, but I was blown up twice in Iraq in 2006, and one of those was by an Iranian EFP, which was basically what was being brought in by Qasem Soleimani, which thanks to President Trump, he eliminated that terrorist who killed over 600 Americans and wounded thousands of others. But now we're lifting, the, we're delisting IRGC as a terrorist organization. He's recognizing the Taliban as a form of government. He's leaving $86 billion to the most well-equipped terrorist groups, ISIS-K, Haqqani Network, and he's circumventing his own sanctions for political optics to say that he's tough on Russia. He is not. He is a compromised Russia-Chinese uh, proxy, and he is essentially sinking America. Think about what he said, Matt. He said, sanctioning the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is crippling economic sanctions on Russia. Well, who knows that better than America, where he crippled and economically hurt us when he sanctioned Keystone XL pipeline. So people need to pay attention to what he's doing because it's all political optics and it's to, to advance the America last agenda, the Green New Deal, the force on trying to get us to be dependent upon other governments for lithium batteries, etc. And it's not a realistic dream. It's America last. No, it's not. I think they're emptying the uh, reserve, which isn't making much of a difference because Biden has sanctioned American oil companies more than he sanctioned anything in Russia. But That's the, exactly sanctions, right. the sanctions, he said they don't deter. So all the sanctions are doing are hurting Russians, Ukrainians, and Americans. That's all they're doing. And Well, they're not uh, even hurting Russia. I mean, that, that's, that's the irony of this. It's not even hurting Russia in any way because Russia has been under sanctions for so long. They have learned how to domestically produce something America right. needs to do more of. We need to get back to made in America. We need to get back to domestic production. We need to get back to energy independence. But this idea that he is actually drawing down a million barrels a day of our strategic uh, petroleum reserves is nonsense. That reserve is put in place in the event that we go to war and we have to allocate workforce in another area that we have enough oil to continue to operate and continue to have enough energy here. I believe that after six months of him doing this, over 100 million, 180 million barrels of oil being pulled out of our strategic petroleum reserves, I'm not even sure that we would have enough to be able to have a wartime reserve in the event that we actually did go into a full-scale launch. So he's not hurting Russia in any way. 
He is circumventing their own sanctions by signing a written agreement, which he'll do on the side. He's utilizing Russia as his negotiator mediator for Iran. Iran, Russia, and China are completely aligned. Their goal is to eliminate the U.S. dollar from being a global currency. That's already been seen as China's trying to talk about the petro yuan, not the petro dollar that's been utilized in OPEC for decades. And so he's actually trying to expand something called the One Road, One Belt Initiative. That's what President or Chairman Xi is trying to achieve, expanding the Eurasian border, taking over Africa and Oceania, choking off the economic resource supplies of America by controlling the ports and railways, as he's been doing. He's putting billions of dollars into ports and railways right now. $562 million just went into Djibouti to control its port, plus the railway between Djibouti and Ethiopia. But he's going to choke off the Horn of Africa. He's going to choke off the Med, the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf. He's going to make us dependent. He's encircling us as he's poisoning Americans with the fentanyl that's crossing our poorest borders. He's aligned himself to Maduro and, and, and Venezuela. He's already in Cuba, and he's basically choking off the Americans so we don't have a global currency, and he sacrifices us. So that was the goal of China and of President Vladimir Putin over the last two and a half decades, eliminate the U.S. dollar as a global currency so that we don't have anything that props us up economically. That is being achieved under Joe Biden. Well, I think they're pushing the a complete elimination of the reserve on the left here in America just so they can push electric cars, which financially is irresponsible. So everything and we don't have the infrastructure to even support it. Do what? We don't have the infrastructure to even support this idea of going to a completely green energy lithium battery charge stations. We don't even have the infrastructure in our nation to be able to support if everyone was to switch overnight. I mean, but it's unrealistic and it's tone deaf. The average American who's seeing 20 and 30 percent inflation, who's seeing gas prices intentionally a gas crisis created by Biden, doesn't have an extra 60 or 90 thousand dollars lying around to go buy some, you know, uh, energy Tesla that they can try and make money off of. But here's the bigger question. Where does these renewable batteries come from? Most of them are coming from China. They're coming from the $1.3 trillion in lithium that we left them in Afghanistan. They're coming to try and build up another nation, not even building up America. And it's not a more green energy source. Look at the lithium mines that are sourced as opposed to an actual pipeline. So, again, this is tone deaf. This is advancing the progressives, as they call themselves, the squad, the Ilhan AOC Green New Deal dreams. This is an out-of-touch America last agenda. If everybody in America stopped driving a car and took a bike to work or walked to work, it wouldn't change a thing because no other country is going to do this crazy stuff that we're doing here. Not India, not China, nothing like that. These people are crazy and they're in charge and doesn't make them smart. It makes them a little bit insane because they have this weird voting block that they're creating to. Like Biden saying trans people are made in the image of God. That's the most insane statement I've ever heard. But I, he didn't write that. One of these lunatics wrote that, and that's who's running the show. Uh, you well, let me tell you something. About- no surgery you make, no medication you take, no makeup that you put on changes what God put into you as your DNA. You are man or woman. And I don't need to be a biologist in order to understand what a man and a woman is and how those chromosomes are laid out. God created man and woman. He didn't create non-binary, transgender, etc. So you can call it what you want, but at the end of the day, God created man and woman. We got a minute left. Speaking of that, when you talked about Judge uh, Jackson, who couldn't identify a woman or wouldn't is more the apropos term. 
Is it time for Mikowski, Collins, and Mitt Romney to take a hike from the Republican Party? We got to focus on their primary. 100%. Because here's the bigger question that people should be asking. So if she cannot identify and or I say who is a woman, then how as a Supreme Court justice would she be able to oversee a case that may be gender specific to women? So that in itself would disqualify her, not to mention her leniency against pedophilia. Corey Mills, thank you so much for joining us on the show. One more time, the website. It's MillsFORflorida.com or at Twitter, Corey Mills FL. All right, we'll put the links everywhere. And you guys don't forget to get on there and help out the campaign. It's very important. He went to Afghanistan to rescue Americans. Joe Biden got Americans killed. Corey Mills did more than the so-called president of the United States. Corey, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Matt. All right, sounds good. We'll be right back on The Buff Show. You stay with us. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hour drafts every day of the week and all day Sunday. Dollar off drafts and house wines, $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events tonight. It's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Friday's live music and happy hour, then brunch with $10 champagne over the weekend. Mention the Buff Show, get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Welcome back to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando, and on your Roku TV, the uh, Patriot Podcast Network, and all over your favorite streaming devices and your favorite platforms, including Spotify. All right, so we're going to roll along with the conversation we, we ended with in the last segment, which is just the insane Republicans and how they're not standing up for the American people. When it came to Kavanaugh, even though he did nothing wrong, the Democrats went crazy and did everything they could. We got no filibuster here, and we got three very weak Republicans on the record saying that this nominee will pass. The vote is done. Jackson, Judge Jackson will sit on the Supreme Court. Frank Gaffney is with us, executive chairman and founder of Center for Security Policy Center. Everybody check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Frank, welcome back to The Buff Show. Great to have you back. Great to be with you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Let me play you this clip here from Mitt Romney. And you can't tell me he's the only Republican in Utah, right, that can fill a Senate seat. Here's this nope. guy talking about Judge Jackson. 
said yesterday, uh, we had a good meeting yesterday. She is a, a qualified, intelligent, capable person, obviously very gracious. And um, I'm looking at her record and, and uh, judicial philosophy, and we'll make a decision. And we'll announce that when I have it, but probably not until the day of the vote. Well, he announced his decision. He will support her, along with Susan Collins and Murkowski. They got to go, Frank. They got to go. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's not imminent and certainly not in time to stave off what is going to be an unforced error, a self-inflicted wound. And it'd be one thing if it were just a wound on the Republican Party or even these particular senators. Um, it's going to be a wound on the country, uh, Matt. And I think you've been talking about this with your audience, I know. Judge Brown Jackson is not unqualified. Uh, she is eminently qualified. Um, those who are saying, well, that's the basis on which they're going to vote for her, however, are overlooking the fact that she is a radical leftist. And I don't mean just a liberal in the model of uh, Stephen Breyer, for whom she had clerked. I'm talking about a radical leftist um, of the kind that Black Lives Matter would opt for her over other women of color, as they say, who were considered, uh, at least briefly, by Joe Biden. She was their choice because her views on such matters as, uh, well, identity politics, um, which has, uh, among other things, this uh, agenda of, uh, I think, breaking down our society, dividing us at every turn, something that critical race theory is designed to do specifically along family, which the Black Lives Matter leaders have said is part of their agenda as well. And I think that's where you get into some of this business about you know, child pornographers and, um, and purveyors of some of the most horrific crimes in our country. All of that is stuff that should be speaking to these Republican senators, among others, about why she may be qualified in other respects, but her judgment is deficient and should not permit her to be confirmed for the court. Yeah, when it comes to the Islamic terrorists and doing uh, just things just to help them as much as she possibly can, and, the, and then the sentencing for child predators was remarkably lower than the national average, despite what the Democrats said. But I want to make a point here that it's not about her being a black woman. That's what they, they say. They say they wanted a black woman on the Supreme Court, but that's not true. They wanted this type of person on the Supreme Court and exactly. used the guys as a black woman. Let me play you this clip. Uh, you will remember this, Frank. It wasn't too all that long and, ago. Uh, but I have no intention to fill a somebody. It depends on who the president sends, but I could see let me set this up. This is 2005, Joe Biden talking about Judge Janice Rogers Brown. Mm -hmm. And here's what he said about her. And by the way, yes, he was still making huge mental blunders back then. Circumstance. Mm -hmm. For example, if he set up Edith Jones, I can assure you that would be a very, very, very difficult fight. And she probably would be filibustered. What about what, Janice what Rogers Brown? Someone Excuse else. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm not, by the way, I misspoke. I misspoke. Janice Rogers Brown is what I meant to say. Oh, okay. I misspoke. But, but, but wasn't she Janice wasn't Rogers she Brown just wasn't she just confirmed though? How do you invoke the extraordinary circumstances yes. clause of the agreement of the Gang of Fourteen for somebody who's just been confirmed? 
because a circuit court of a judge is bound by stare decisis. They don't get to make new law. They have to abide by the, for example, she So, so what you're saying is the Supreme a, Court's different than different the appellate court. Different ballgame. Right, okay. So what do you say to that, Frank Gaffney, when we're talking about a black woman that was extremely qualified? He said he was going to do everything, even including to break the law to make sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, that was kind of uh, Joe Biden still evidencing some of the racism that he had, uh, you know, as part of his uh, record during his Senate years, uh, you know, as among others, his uh, affinity for and, and uh, well, sort of loyalty to um, Robert Byrd, um, a Ku Klux Klan leader in his day. Um, these are the sorts of things that uh, speak to the hypocrisy, of course, and um, the expediency-driven character of uh, of. Joe Biden. But where we are today, many years after that exchange, of course, is he is now pushing, as you say, not so much for a black woman as a radical leftist who happens to be black and female and therefore has a chance of becoming a Supreme Court associate justice, where somebody who was not a black woman, I think almost certainly would be found to be you know, um, totally inappropriate as a pick for a permanent, a lifetime appointment to the court. And here's my biggest concern about all of this, Matt, is that when you put a radical leftist activist on the court, I think it's going to have a profound effect far beyond just the single vote that um, a judge like this would cast, a justice like this would cast. Um, this will pull the other members of the liberal clique on the uh, on the Supreme Court farther to the left, of course. But I think it will also have the effect of drawing others, uh, nominally at least, uh, on the conservative side of uh, the court to that you know angle as well. If if only in the way that. You know, you try to compromise, you try to negotiate, you try to seek middle ground. Invariably, uh, that will mean moving the Overton window, as they say, farther and farther to the left. The bottom line is this. This woman has serious issues of judgment. The court will become a much less, I think, tolerant place in terms of the traditional values and freedoms of our country and less of a bastion protecting those freedoms, those constitutional liberties. That's something that I think we can't afford and it should be fought by everybody, not just these three Republicans. And by the way, Mitt Romney, you had a quote from him, as I recall, Mitt Romney voted against her for the appeals court. <laughs> I didn't know that. I did not know that. <laughs> and somehow thinks she's more qualified, more of a good pick, more uh, of, you know, the person that he wants having lifetime appointments, uh, ruling from the bench uh, than, uh, than he did just nine months ago when she was up for this appeals court uh, job. So these are the kinds of things that I think ought to cause both voters in Utah and in Alaska and in Maine to be communicating to these senators, 
don't do this. There's way too much on the line. Stand with the rest of the Republicans. And, and you know, I would like to think that at least one of the Democrats would recognize that this is going to be a serious mistake as well, perhaps at least for them personally and politically, because I think there will be terrible blowback if um, and when the voters just come to realize that a judge, a justice is going to be, I believe, a profoundly um, insidious force for uh, radical leftism in the highest court of the land. I want to... I want to reiterate your point you made earlier because it's so true. Because everybody asks, so what's the big deal? Even Mad Gates, even prominent Republicans are saying, what's the big deal? It's a Democrat for a Democrat. But when you sit there and listen to her record and what she's done in her career, it's the most radical judge you've ever seen in a judicial hearing like that. I, I was literally shocked that nobody was talking about just how awful her record was and the crimes the people that she gave soft sentence to the just the awful crimes they committed after being released and then of course the the terrorists so, yeah. so when you're saying she's sitting in a democrat seat yeah but that fence post moves more to the left because she's got sotomayor on her side and now she's got these the other leftists on the court and judge roberts is already wishy-washy as it is it's gonna get worse right and again, that's partly because the character of the court, as you know, that is to to try to be as collegial as one can and to and to find middle ground. And it's also been observed that you know, uh, even if she is in the minority, and she will be on occasion, uh, even if she is making rulings in which only she dissents with a certain kind of uh, line of reasoning those dissents will be used by people down the food chain to rationalize their judgments, to try to make, uh, you know, law from the bench, as is often the case with these activist judges. But again, just to come back to the calibration point, anybody that Black Lives Matter thinks is a good pick for the Supreme Court of the United States ought to send the rest of us running for the hills. That's right. Marxist organization. If you read the charter for Black Lives Matter and then you look at somebody they endorse, I mean, somebody endorses Trump that Trump never even talked to, people go crazy. This ideology is horrific. And that's why she won't say what a woman is. That's why she won't define the moment of birth. She knows but she won't say what she believes because it's way outside the mainstream. It's not yet, but she will be talking about it a lot in the days to come. And again, this isn't an accident that she's been picked, you know, out of the pool of people who know it's not those qualities. She was picked by design to have, uh, well, I call it a wrecking operation uh, in our country is kind of the light motif of what the Biden administration is doing across the board its domestic policies, its international policies, its personnel choices. This is perhaps one that will be the most enduring and damaging of all, if in fact she has the kind of impact I fear she will on the Supreme Court. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. I think you're right. And we will be tracking this going forward. Frank Gaffney, thanks so much for joining us on The Buff Show to talk about this. Thank you, my friend. Good to talk okay, sounds good. We'll be right back. You guys stay with us. Yeah. 
Since 2012, Cellulartronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair, electronics repair, and computer repair. They fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. They also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up back covers are only $120. With one super convenient location, 31 South Charles Richard Beale Boulevard in DeBerry. Or call them at 386-516-6185. Visit Cellulartronics.com. Cellulartronics. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated. Get your free estimate at actionpluspressurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. Welcome back to the of show AM 950 94.9 FM, the Anso Orlando, Roku TV on the Patriot Podcast Network and all your favorite podcasting platforms and Rumble as well. Great to have you rolling along with us on this Tuesday, 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 where here we are on a Tuesday in April 2022, and we got a little toddler. You know, sticking things in his mouth. Oh, wait, he can't stick things in his mouth because he's got a mask on. What the heck is going on? Michael Beatrice, back on the Buff Show. Great to have you, COVID researcher and author of the book, COVID-19, The Science Versus the Lockdowns. And, of course, Lockdowns on Trial, Michael. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Matt. Hey, Matt, were you ever a DJ in another life? Well, I did stand-up comedy, and my father was a DJ. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow okay so there it is those two things <laughs> why do you ask <laughs> oh just your intro was you know very very uh dj or stand-up comic-ish are you going to go on the chris rock tour yes i will and hopefully i get to slap trevor noah or vice versa i don't know how that works i don't know how that works but yeah <laughs> the slap fest that was a lot of fun um to watch that i mean usually <clears throat> somebody would be brought up on charges for something like that. i think you know you go up in a restaurant and you hit somebody, you're probably going to be arrested, right, Michael? <laughs> yeah, it was a very surreal moment. Uh, it, was, it was very, very strange. Uh, you know, I don't know that they, there ever logically would have been assault charges uh, pressed or anything, but but what a what a wild moment on live TV. Well, no, not assault. Yeah, charges by Chris Rock. No, if, if, if a man slaps another man, he can't press charges. That makes you look like a sissy. But I was doing comedy, Michael, and... Um, Part of the act was to make fun of people in the crowd. People love that. That that makes others laugh and makes the person laugh too. For sure. I've been in the subject, the victim of that many times at comedy clubs in Dallas. And and see, I would make a joke about that. I'm like, so why would why are you always the victim? What are you wearing? What are you, you know? I mean, that's a funny discussion to talk about, but we did a show where we do that, and then we go downstairs and somebody insulted my girlfriend, now wife. And we got in a fight over it. There's a difference between personal attacks, right? And the uh, act of just being part of a show. 
You know, funny, um, I saw Tony Rock a couple years ago, Chris Rock's brother, and we were sitting in the front row at the Improv in Dallas, and Tony Rock singled me out. Um, and, uh, you know, probably because we were like the only white people in the whole place, right? But, you know, Tony was awesome. And he singled me out and started giving me some grief. And it was all in good nature, right? I was laughing it off and actually was talking to him for a second. And, uh, but, you know, that stuff's just expected. It's part of the good fun. And so, um, you know, for Will Smith, he's just such an A-luster. He's such a, he really is a good actor. He's been in some terrific movies. Uh, and it's just a shame that, you know, this will be a part of his, uh, you know, legacy or, or uh, reputation. Yeah, this will be this will tarnish him for a while. Um, it, it, it's probably going to hurt the movie future. Um, but if as long as he doesn't make movies like After Earth, I think we'll be fine. Uh, stick to Independence Day kind of stuff. That's fun. <laughs> but uh, Chris Rock, uh, his stock went up, so that's a good thing. His stock went up because he. Oh, they're both super, grand, ground. They're both super talented guys. Uh, you know, you know, I really thought the pursuit of happiness for Will Smith and concussion really. I thought widened uh, Will Smith's acting breadth. He, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think he's a, a fine actor. Um, again, it's just the, the whole thing's a bummer, but it'll, it'll pass. And you know, King Richard was good. It was a good movie. It was good. I'm a big tennis fan. I used to live in Florida, and I've been to um, that Miami Open or Key Biscayne tournament for maybe ten years in a row. And I've been to a bunch of U.S. Opens, and um, uh, and you know, really inarguable that Serena Williams is the greatest female player ever. And, uh, and I did think the movie was really good and it opened my eyes a little bit to what Richard's struggles were and, and the impact he had. I, I thought it was, and the other thing that was great was they had real tennis in it. So most tennis movies have like cutouts or people that can't really play. And the tennis scenes in King Richard were real tennis scenes, which was, you know, a big credibility booster. Yeah, I really appreciated that too. It was really cool to see. It just gave the movie way more depth. That's a great point. It did. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, I actually watched it the night of the Oscars. I didn't even watch the Oscars. I saw on Twitter what was going on with um, Will Smith. And then I decided to uh, watch the movie and I stayed up till 1 a.m. watching the movie. And I, I thought it was terrific. I'll recap the Oscars for you. People chanting gay, trans and making fun of conservatives and a little devil worshiping. That That's all there was. Not much. Not much else. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand the charter in that. I mean, you know, I, I feel like watching the Academy Awards is like, you know, going to, you know, see a comedy show or going to a concert. You know, it's it's sort of an escapism, right? And I don't understand why that's the platform that's chosen for this one. It's really an escape opportunity for people. It used to be a pretty classy event, the Oscars. It was, no doubt. And like even the Grammys they had their moments, but there were some cool events in the Grammys where you just saw really good performances. I mean, there was still some weird stuff, but Bruno Mars, I mean, there, I, for my money, there's no one better than Bruno Mars up there doing his thing, man. That band is awesome. There's just no energy like like seeing a rock band. I mean, I'm, I'm a little older, but, you know, I've seen the Rolling Stones 15 times and, uh, and a number of other shows, you know, from all the bands from that era and there's just nothing like seeing seeing these guys perform it's uh, or ladies perform they're they're great yeah no, it's it's a lot of fun so there's our recap from uh, myself and michael beatrice on the uh, entertainment industry there that's right <laughs> let's get to the uh liberal sheep out there the left-wing sheep that um always follow whatever the cdc says
So in New York, the uh, mayor and, and me, they're making commercials against Florida. By the way, how'd you like the song? Uh, I liked it. I thought that was good. <laughs> My uh, youngest son, they have Dance Revolution, and he goes, Dad, you got to play this song on your show because you're always talking about the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> so I got yeah. Flip. But in New York City, uh, I just looked at some recent headlines here. Um, some people say enough. New Yorkers must demand an end to Adams' toddler mask mandate. Angry mom who confronted Adams on toddler mask mandate fired from her city job. And these mask mandates for pre-K children continue until the court says no, Michael. Yeah, she was tweeting about it last night. I was reading some of the stuff that she said. I think she's probably going to go quiet on this, but file a lawsuit uh, for wrongful termination. Um, you know, so the argument here is that uh, those young kids don't have the opportunity to get vaccinated, and so they should wear masks. Meanwhile, we're at you know, kind of all-time low uh, cases and hospitalizations. The question really is that, uh, to understand, is that your unvaccinated three-year-old is at less risk than your boosted 50-year-old and for sure 75-year-old or older. And so, um, you know, your little toddler who's two wearing a mask is at less risk of COVID with no protect, if they're healthy, um, than me. And, and I have been vaxxed and, and, uh, and I'm pretty, you know, fit guy. So it's, it's a very surreal thing. The thing that puzzles me about this is a concept that I, I brought up about a year and a half ago in my first book. And then in, in, uh, all subsequent interviews is this burden of proof concept, right? Uh, if, if this stuff is necessary, why isn't it having an impact on the communities that don't have these mandates in, you know, 40 other states or more. Uh, and, and so you've got these large samplings, right? If, if that mask mandate was important, you'd see adverse reactions in other places like Texas or, well, probably even California at this point, you know, all these. And so, you know, there's no data that supports it. And it's, it's the surreal, you know, New York is crumbling right now um, under the weight of, you know, recovering from COVID and crime and different things. And, uh, and so the idea of uh, you know ratcheting down on on kids when there's just no data that says we need to do this because where they're not doing this they're having worse outcomes that's not the case I, I, it's it's very puzzling at this stage. Yeah, the whole thing has been puzzling from the get go because you see a lot of policy decisions that aren't based on science, real science. But then they call themselves the science. They say we are the science. Listen to us. We're the CDC. We're Anthony Fauci. You got to listen to us, even though we might dither and change and and say what we said before didn't work. Says well, it'll work now, even though we're confusing. You still have to listen to us. And it's just weird because we've seen with the lockdowns, like in your book, I want everybody to check out the books, both of them, lockdowns on trial and uh, the science versus lockdowns. But it caused more harm to kids. And these toddlers that are toddling around, I mean, these are just little tiny humans. And we're teaching them to live in fear and restricting their breathing. No wonder some parents are angry about this and everybody should be up in arms about this because there's zero science, but it just goes in line with the political confusion and the policy confusion that we've seen since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you know, forget the, the impact on breathing and the uncomfortableness at the, at the core, is there a health benefit to this? If there's a health benefit to this, you can, you can make a lot of those arguments. They're, 
but their data doesn't support that. Again, there's no worse outcomes or no, no bad outcomes anywhere, really anywhere in the world for two to five-year-olds that are unvaccinated. Um, and so it, it doesn't make any sense if your kid happens to be immunocompromised you know, even when you throw every single kid in there, it's it's like a one in a million, right? And so um, it, it doesn't really make any data sense. Uh, and, you know, we just had an election, so you can't say it's going to be a referendum on a future election, at least in New York City, but it's very crazy. Yes, it is. And it, it is, it's just a very strange policy, especially when you're talking about pre-K kids and toddlers. Let's jump up a few years to the university in our last minute here. University... Um, you talked about has booster mandates for kids, but not staff. Where the heck is this happening at? So it's happening at Stanford, but it's happening in lots of places. But the California school system is one of the university system is one of the ones doing it. But I can tell you at a lot of Big Ten schools, this is happening, too. So you've got a scenario where you've got college kids. You know, you've got these 18 to 25 year olds, including grad students, and they're required to have to be boosted on campus in order to participate, even if they're remote. And at Stanford, which is interesting, is they don't have a requirement for uh, faculty and staff. And the crazy thing is your healthy 20-year-old unvaccinated is at less risk than really any, any uh, uh, faculty or staff member. That's boosted. Yeah, no, exactly right. Well, firing this when there's some legitimate side effects. Again, I got vaccinated, but I'm... I, I followed the data close enough to know there are there are adverse effects for younger people. Uh, and so it's a risk uh, benefit. You know, is there more upside versus downside? And so the idea of doing this for kids, uh, these mandates, and then not making them congruent for faculty and staff, it's we're, we're still a little bit in the twilight zone. We're getting out of it, but it, it's it's wild, Matt. It's very wild, but you make a personal decision, and that's what it should have been about from the beginning. Here's your options. It's about a personal decision. Michael Beechers, thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Always breaking news with you on the show. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back on The Buff Show. You guys stay with us. Veritas Tactical, Tactical. a family and law enforcement owned company where you can get custom built ARs with purpose built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Six Hour, Smith & Wesson, and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force on force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Sarah Coding Services, Laser engraving and more mention the buff show and get a 25 dollar discount on courses you'll find veritas tactical at 207 north goldenrod road suite 200 in orlando contact veritas tactical 407 309 3000 407 309 3000 and at an energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended. If your home qualifies, solar is always a prudent financial move. All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no cost, no obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. 
Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Welcome back to The Buff Show. Matt Buff, your host here in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. And spending is what Democrats love to do. They spend, spend, spend without reckless, with reckless abandon. It's unbelievable. This is our final segment. We're going to go over to the Heritage Foundation with David Ditch. He's a policy analyst in the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget at the Heritage Foundation. David, welcome to The Buff Show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. All right. So we have this problem here where um, we have the Green New Deal, basically, and the thing that didn't pass in the Senate basically being lumped into the budget that Joe Biden's releasing. And it seems very similar. Yeah. And you think, OK, that's bad enough. They even do it in the most awkward way possible. So there's what's called a baseline, which is saying, Here's what's already happening before we add all of our left-wing agenda. Only they've already added that new spending to the baseline. They're assuming that they've already got all this Green New Deal, all these entitlement programs in there. And that's a way of saying, oh, we're only increasing spending by a modest amount. Now, of course, to them, a trillion here, a trillion there, you know, takes a while before they start noticing (laughs) <laughs> but it's I don't understand why they did why they did, but it's one more way that this administration plays games with numbers. But remember, they're not just numbers. These numbers are dollars that people work hard to generate in the economy. Some of the big problems with this budget, one of them is the it proposes a two point five trillion dollars in harmful tax increases. That's going to hit the American families right in the face after all this inflation and high gas prices. This is not good. Yeah. And they're going to claim, oh, we're just we're just making people pay their fair share. But the number one group that's getting hit by these tax increases are businesses. Now, let's look at what's going to happen if you increase taxes on businesses by that much. Number one, it makes it harder for our businesses to compete globally. And this is a global economy. Number two, it means that these businesses are going to be investing less. They're going to be hiring less. That's going to slow the economy. And number three, they're going to pass a lot of those tax increases on to consumers, which means, oh, guess what? Even more inflation. Even more inflation is just not what we need right now in America. This spending plan I uh, is just it's unreal. Another thing we talked about before on the show, before we dive into this a little bit more, is the Great Reset in Congress, what I call a basically because these bills carry over year over year. These provisions and line items carry over year over year. Maybe stop and reset that a little bit and start over and cut, cut, cut and only spend on what's necessary. What do you think about that? Because you talked about the budget blueprint in the article. That would be a breath of fresh air. The The Heritage Foundation, we take uh, analysis from a wide range of our policy experts. We also draw on experts from outside the organization, and we've compiled a list of hundreds, hundreds of ways to reform uh, 
existing programs to cut the waste in the pork. Some of the things are going to be, you know, a little more controversial, but there we got to start somewhere. And frankly, it's really disturbing to me how year after year, Congress refuses to even go after the low hanging fruit because unfortunately so much of the left believes that they are entitled to not only every penny that gets spent the year before, but to a guaranteed increase of more, of more than inflation, more than the growth of the economy. They think they're entitled to a bigger share of the pie every single year, and we need to push back. This budget fails to include the Hyde Amendment, which has saved an estimated 2.4 million lives since 1976. And then he also proposed a 40% increase in Title X funding, dramatically expanding federal subsidies to that uh, to entities that provide abortions. David, it looks like we have a problem here that this budget is going to actually kill more babies. Yeah, and, and it's important to understand the Hyde Amendment, which says the federal government is not going to directly pay for abortions, that's directly pay. Let's set aside indirectly paying for them by helping keep the lights on at Planned Parenthood. This is a provision that has been in place for decades. Most Democrats understand that Republicans and conservatives are not going to go along with federal funding for abortion. But we have seen in recent years the progressive left repeatedly going after it because they believe that people are entitled to all the nice, wonderful, fluffy things under the sun, they think people are even entitled to get money from you and me to pay for their abortions. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. It really is. Another one talks about the Medicare solvency. This would basically eliminate Medicare by 2026 and Social Security Trust Fund to be depleted by 2033. They don't care about the future of our kids and young people, do they? I mean, it just goes away completely. Well, it, it used to be you'd say, oh, well, Social Security might not be there for a generation or two down the line. At this point, Social Security and Medicare are going to go bankrupt for most of the people who are using the programs now. Wow. It's a problem for current retirees. It's, it's a problem for the baby boomer generation, let alone Generation X, let alone the millennials got a question for you about fair share because nobody ever challenges them on that. My follow-up question to where somebody says, we just want them to pay their fair share would be, who determines what is fair about their share? I'd want to know that answer. It, 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 it's amazing how some of these politicians seem to believe that, again, they act like it's their money. It yeah. doesn't matter what you did to get it, whether you inherited the money, whether you started a business that's provided millions of jobs and provided benefits to tens of millions of consumers, at the end of the day, they think it's their money to do with as they see fit. It's our money. They are not entitled to one penny. Every cent that they get, they need to demonstrate to the public, to the taxpayers, to the voters, why it's worth spending this money. And frankly, they've gotten lazy. They are not, they're never challenged by the me mainstream media as to why they need all this money. Frankly, way too much of the Republican caucuses in both chambers of Congress want to go along to get along. They are comfortable with allowing all of the lunatic left-wing spending as long as their pet programs get funded. 
we had we saw back in the Tea Party movement, the public rose up, they made their voices heard, they said, we're tired of the overspending, we're tired of the pork, and change actually happened for the only time in my lifetime. And the only way we're going to go back there is if the public makes their voices heard again. That's the only way. The public has to speak up on this. We're on with David Ditch, Heritage Foundation. He's with the Center for Federal Budget. David, when you were young and in school, did you ever get in trouble for turning in your homework late? Like if you had an assignment due, did you not get credit for it? I mean, turning something in late usually incurs a penalty. Is that correct? It never worked out for me. Never did. Well, the president is required by law to submit this budget by the first Monday in February. They blew through the deadline and they filed the budget documents nearly two months after they were due. At 49 days late, the fiscal year budget is the second latest president uh, presidential budget in history. And guess who was the in first place on that one? That would be one Barack Hussein Obama where Joe Biden was the uh, vice president. Shouldn't this be killed on merit? I mean, if we do anything late, we get penalized in America. Why can't this just be shelved because it was late? And it's one thing for the administration, say it's your first year, you just came in and it's really hard to put out these thousands of pages of budgetary documents within a few weeks. I'm willing to give them a mulligan on the first year. But they've been in office. They're able to draw on all of these left-wing bureaucrats of these federal agencies. They're able to draw on all their staffers who were already around during the Obama administration. What's the excuse? And it makes it harder for Congress that relies on a lot of the information in these budget documents to help inform their decisions about how they're going to allocate spending. And that's going to make it harder for them to pass the spending bills on time. And when Congress doesn't pass the spending bills on time, that leads to a whole domino effect of problems, especially for national defense. Yes, it certainly does. It's unbelievable. I really appreciate you taking the time to get the insight. I want everybody to go to the Heritage Found for Heritage.org. Just go to Heritage.org, search for David Ditch, and you'll see the article, Five Big Problems with Biden's Big Government Budget. We're going to post the link on the Buff Show, too. David, thank you so much for taking the time and going through so much of this in such a, a small amount of uh, time that we had today. Absolutely. Take care. Okay, everybody check out heritage.org. That is awesome. And that'll do it for this evening's edition of The Buff Show. Check out thebuffshow.com for more information. And we'll see you next time.